Greetings, you are now in tune with the Talkin' Reggae Podcast. I am your host, Jay, from Street Level Uprising. On this installment of Reggae Bridge, I'm talking steel pulse and reggae guitar. Welcome to another Tuesday night edition of Reggae Bridge. I say a Tuesday night edition, but of course it's always on Tuesday nights, 8 Eastern, 7 Central. This is the second episode of Reggae Bridge. Reggae Bridge is a show where I get to try to bridge the old school reggae and the new school reggae. I know a lot of people who are real up on what's going on in reggae today, but they don't know a lot about the OGs. I also know a lot of people who love the classics, but they're not really sure what's going on today. So the point of Reggae Bridge is to bring this all together under one happy reggae community. All different subgenres of reggae, all kinds of different artists. And there's so many out there that it gives me plenty of material to do this show for years. So welcome to Reggae Bridge, episode number two. I wanted to think of one artist that I could do that really encompasses everything I'm trying to talk about. And I didn't have to think for too long because I came right up on Steel Pulse. Steel Pulse is my favorite band ever, probably. And, uh, you know, we all know Bob Marley's uh, the king, uh, but as far as take him out of the equation now my, my favorite all-time band is Steel Pulse this is a band they are the OG's they've been doing this since 1975 and they're still going strong today they're still touring they're still making albums so perfect right who better to start with than Steel Pulse in the future I'll be talking about two bands on each episode of Reggae Bridge one old school one new school but since Steel Pulse is both I'm riding with them 1975 in Handsworth, Birmingham, England, United Kingdom, Steel Pulse forms a band. David Hines and Basil Gabadon heard Catch a Fire, the debut album as we know it from Bob Marley and the Whalers. Not the earlier Whalers stuff, but the Island albums. There's a fly in here. The Island albums by Bob Marley and the Whalers, right? They heard this and they're like, oh, we need to do this. Um, Hansworth, Birmingham, England had a large uh, population of people who came to England to help rebuild after World War II. Uh, they came from the Caribbean. They stayed in England. They had children. They raised families. And that's, that's how we get Steel Pulse. It was out of that community. Steel Pulse from the very beginning was conscious and internationally minded. Their first single was Ku Klux Klan, and Ku Klux Klan, of course, is an American uh, awful institution. So right from the start, they weren't thinking just locally. They weren't thinking just what's going on in their own neighborhood. They were thinking worldwide. They were worldwide consciousness and looking at, at what was going on in the States. Um, and they mixed, in those early years, they mixed a lot of seeing what's going on in their own neighborhood of, of uh, racial discrimination and and rioting and and mixing that with the the ills of the wider world it was in 1977 that they signed with Island Records and they released Ku Klux Klan as their first single and uh, you know I never got the chance to see Steel Pulse back in the 70s obviously I'm I mean I'm, I'm not young but uh, but uh, I'm not old either and I'm not old enough to have seen them play in the 70s uh, but they used to come out in like full full clan outfits and you imagine black men coming out in full clan outfits to play this reggae tune Ku Klux Klan and and making fun of the clan that way I mean that's 
That's hardcore, man. That's about as hardcore as you're going to get on a music stage. And they did that right from the start, and they were, they were unafraid and unashamed to speak their minds and give it everything they had. They came out with their first album, Handsworth Revolution, in 1978, and there weren't a lot of reggae bands in England back then. I think, I think Aswad was around. Uh, I'm not sure how many other reggae bands. There were reggae sound systems playing. Um, but early on, Steel Pulse had to catch on and play with a lot of punk bands. So it was, there was this, this solidarity between the reggae and the punk communities in England, and they all played shows together. And in fact, uh, Steel Pulse, along with a, a, some punk musicians, started Rock Against Racism, which is an organization. It's exactly what it sounds like, Rock Against Racism. And they put on festivals, and there were marches. And back then, there was a lot of uh, real English nationalist bullshit going on in England, so they were they were pushing back against that, uh, against the, the the white English supremacy, and formed this Rock Against Racism. Played gigs with people like The Clash, and like I can't even imagine going to a festival, uh, uh, a protest festival, basically, and seeing Steel Pulse and The Clash together. I mean, that would have been uh, that have been pretty crazy. They came to the U.S. for their first tour in 1980 and really started spreading out from there. They did three albums, I think, with uh, under Island Records before they left in 1982 to go to Electra Records. Uh, they did the True Democracy album there, which is one of my favorite Steel Pulse albums, Earth Crisis, Babylon the Bandit. This was the early 80s, and they were really taking advantage of the new sounds, a lot of the new electronic synth stuff that, that was a hallmark of 80s pop also found its way into their music. And they even started getting a little poppy with Babylon the Bandit, that album, because Elektra was kind of pushing them to go in a poppier direction. And, you know, f for a lot of their true fans, they didn't really like, like that direction, but it did earn them a Grammy, earn them their first Grammy for Babylon the Bandit. It was a, it was a, that songwriting's still there. It's still a great album. They later switched to MCA Records and released more albums like State of Emergency, when I got into them was because of an album called Rastafari Centennial, which was a live album recorded at Elysee Momart in Paris. And it's just one of the best live albums to this day, one of the greatest live albums I've ever heard. I think they recorded it in like 91 or 92. I, I want to say it came out in like 92, but great album. If, if you're into live albums, I love live albums. Definitely check out Rastafari Centennial. It's, it was my introduction to Steel Pulse, and then I went back in their catalog and started going through and learning all this. Right around then, they also put out a song called Taxi Driver, which is about taxi drivers in New York not stopping for dreads and, and, and even broader, not stopping for black people. And I think a few few years later, Lenny, Lenny Kravitz did something along the same lines with a, a song about that. But Steel Pulse actually sued the Taxi and Limousine com uh, Commission in New York for the drivers not stopping for black people. They were active non-stop throughout the 90s. They get to one of their best albums to me, which was in 2004, African Holocaust. And I remember at the time that came out thinking, man, tell me about a band that's been out about 30 years and just came out with an album that's just as strong as anything they've ever done. And I started thinking about that. What other bands have put out brilliant albums 30 years in between? I couldn't really think of any. You know, you think of a band like the Rolling Stones, it's been around forever. And they definitely put out a lot of great albums 
in the 60s and 70s, but most of their fans wouldn't say that uh, Steel Wheels or Bridges to Babylon, uh, which came out late 80s and early 90s, or Voodoo Lounge or in that era would be one of their best albums the way I saw this about Steel Pulse. I think it's amazing a band could be around for 30 years put out a great album. Fast forward 15 years after that, and they came out with Mass Manipulation last year, which is another great album. It had a Grammy nomination and uh, a collection of great songs. It was a bummer to me that it, it, they went 15, you know, 14, 15 years between African Holocaust and Mass Manipulation, but if you're going to wait 15 years between albums from your favorite band, at least it's going to be that good when it comes out. And to varying degrees, I, I love pretty much every album they've ever done has some amazing material on it. You know, it might not all be perfect, but it's a lot of great material for a band that's been around, shoot, like 45 years now, something crazy like that. Um, that's a brief rundown on Steel Pulse and their existence. I'm not going to go through a whole discography. If you know Steel Pulse, you probably know it. If you don't know Steel Pulse, just check it out. Just Google them. Uh, check out their discography. Just load them on Spotify or, or, or whatever and just start going through stuff. And I can give you some, some key tracks that I really love. And this is not just limited to this list, but ones that I can think of like Ku Klux Klan, obviously, we, we already talked about, and that was just um, just a, this burning track about the KKK. Um, chant a Psalm, which is my favorite song ever, Chant a Psalm. Always very hopeful, it's always very uplifting. If I'm down, this song will pick me right up. Um, chant a Psalm, my favorite. Caught You Dancing is um, a great tune, more of a love tune from them. Um, when I think of Steel Pulse, I don't think of those. I, I t tend to think of the militant stuff, the conscious stuff, because that's, that's where my head is at as an artist and as a music lover. Uh, I'll typically trend towards the, the more militant, conscious stuff first, but Caught You Dancing is a, is a great tune also. Uh, Your House, um, Worth is Weight in Gold, which is usually just referred to as Rally Round or Rally Round the Flag. Uh, great tune. That's, that's a... That's a history lesson, uh, Marcus Garvey, and uh, a lot of their s songs are history lessons dealing with Haile Selassie, Rastafari, Marcus Garvey. Uh, Prodigal Son, a lot of biblical, biblical stuff in their lyrics, uh, so Prodigal Son's a great one. Uh, Roller Skates is a great one because uh, the chorus, Life Without Music, I Can't Go, Life Without Music. Yeah, like Life Without Music. Um, that's rough, and you know, a lot of us wouldn't be willing to, to go on under those circumstances. Um, so Roller Skates is a great one. Um, Not King James Version is a good one, too. That's another uh, history lesson. Ravers, Bodyguard, one of my personal favorites. Um, Babylon Makes the Rules. Soldiers. Uncle George was a song about George Jackson, who was um, an American, a black American man who was jailed, basically being in a car, and uh, you're in a car one second, and the next second you're, you're convicted of a robbery, and you're sentenced to one year to life. Imagine that one year to life. Uh, we don't see sentences like that anymore, even in this busted penal system that we have in the United States, but one year to life, I mean... 
white people weren't getting sentenced to one year to life. This was a racist law. Um, so George, Uncle George, they did an, there was an early version of Uncle George, and there's another version on African Holocaust. They're both great. Um, no More Weapons, which was on African Holocaust, also a great tune. That's the one with um, uh, Damien Marley on it. What else we got? Bad Man, Ja Pickney, Cry Cry Blood is one from, from their latest album, Mass Manipulation. Blazing Fire, which was uh, no more, um, African Holocaust that was uh, Capleton guested on that. So I don't know, now I'm just sitting here rambling Steel Pulse tunes. You could look them up for yourself. If you don't know Steel Pulse, check them out. If you do know Steel Pulse, if you love Steel Pulse, give me a shout. They're still my favorite band of all time. And at this point, I'm guessing they probably always will be. That's Steel Pulse. Next week, we'll dive into two artists or maybe something a little bit different, but, but basically break it up. The other thing I wanted to do tonight is just go over some reggae guitar techniques. Last week, I led off with drums and bass about how drums and bass are the foundation of reggae. And the thing about reggae, and I talked about this then too, everything's simple. What everyone's doing is essentially simple. Reggae is a team sport. Reggae is not for individual glory, except for maybe the lead singer, just like every other <laughs> style of music. But reggae is a team sport. And usually everyone plays something simple, and it just all locks in together. And if you hear them separately, except for maybe the drums and bass, it might not make too much sense. But then you put it all together, and everything fits together like a puzzle. So I wanted to just go over some reggae guitar techniques this time about what gets done on a guitar, especially reggae rhythm guitar. And uh, for the most part, you're using the top three or four strings. Those. Don't mess around with the two lowest strings, the A and the low E, too much. A lot of times the keyboard player's got that covered and uh, it helps to separate things out tonally a little bit more if the guitars work in the higher range. So I basically deal with the top four strings most of the time, and I'll show you some exceptions, but those are the ones you're dealing with. And that's to, like I said, to help keep the guitar and the, and the keys kind of separate a little bit. And even then, sometimes it's tough if the keyboard player is playing a lot of notes in their chords, but there's ways around that. So you'd play like a minor or a major chord whatever. That's a major chord. You play them up on those high strings and the guitar typically does what's called a skank. It's also called a chop or a chuck or I've even heard it called a bang. And the technique is instead of like you would normally strum like I'm working this A major chord right here where in most music you do kind of like a just kind of a strum. It's not really a strum. You hit it but you lift your fingers up real quick so it kind of chokes off the end of it. And you can hear, I'm not stopping it with this hand, I'm stopping it with this hand. So I'm lifting it up right after I hit it. Because if you don't, you're going to hear... So obviously, not the same. And you can do a single like that. It's on the upbeat, or the two and the four, depending on how you count it there, there's always people count it different ways typically if I'm if, if 
if I'm thinking like a drummer, I like to count it fast. So I'd be counting it like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, putting the kick on the three. But as a guitar player, I like to think of it as counting half the speed that the drummer's counting. So it's more of an, instead of the two and the four, I consider it the upbeat of each one, like a one, two, three, four. So that's how I count it. You can count it however you want. Typically a downstroke. Unless you're doing a double and that's up and down. And those differences there between the, you know, hitting it once with the chuck or the chucka, hitting it down and up. Think of, uh, I'll use some Bob Marley tunes as kind of an example. You know, you got uh, jamming, which is... Kind of hitting it once each time. Then uh, get up, stand up is... Hitting it twice. The other thing you can do is you can mute it from the start, and that becomes more like stir it up. You hear that. There's two ways to do that. You either just don't press down on the strings, or you don't press down on the strings and you also mute it with your palm, which is even thicker. I don't do that that much. Personally, I, I usually use just my left hand for the muting because I, I just prefer that sound, but it's all personal taste. It's all what you're going for in the song. I mean, almost everything I do in Street Level Uprising is some form of a skank, but there's just these varieties to do it. There's that first one I was talking about where you kind of, you're hitting it, but you're lifting, and then there's also, and there's also, or. So there's all kinds of different things you can do with that. It's all just about using those techniques and however you want. Lead guitar on, on reggae tunes is, if you're playing a solo or something like that, I mean, it's pretty much like any other blues-based guitar soloing that you would do on a rock tune or a blues tune or something. You can still, depending on what you're jamming to, you can still do those same techniques. But reggae does a lot of single note lines and often muted and often doubling the bass. Get Up Stand Up is another good example of that. Just doubling, the lead guitar player is doubling with the bass players playing. That's just an octave up, but they're playing the same thing. There's a lot of that in Bob Marley's music. You'll, you'll hear a lot of that stuff. It's also muted single note lines in something like Could You Be Loved. Right, um, and then sometimes just just all kinds of other stuff. I mean, you apply the same creativity to reggae as you would in any other genre as a lead guitar player, as long as it fits, as long as it works. And you know, just like anything else, your ears will tell you what works and what doesn't. And if your ears don't, your bandmates will. <laughs> That's a good musician joke. Truth though, your bandmates will tell you, eh, it doesn't work. So there's all kinds of different things you can do, but it's all again within that same framework. It's all within that being a piece of the puzzle, just one piece of the puzzle. The drums are one piece of the puzzle, the bass is one piece of the puzzle, the piano, the organ, the hand percussion. It's all a piece of the puzzle that goes into making this big, beautiful song. 
And yet even with all those parts, it still breathes. Music has to breathe. It's not just about the notes you play. It's the space in between the notes. You could say that for any genre of music. Blues is real good at that. Blues can take one note, especially B.B. King could take one note and just make it sing and then not play anything for a couple seconds and then play another lick. It's that space. It's breathing. And reggae is that heartbeat groove and it breathes as you're playing it. So it's a matter of the, the parts fitting in. It's, it's that whole, uh, you know, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts thing. Also on guitar, a lot of guitar players use a lot of effects. I don't use too many. When I started Street Level Uprising, the idea was basically for acoustic guitar. And then I started adding electric tones, and that's when I got this Godin, which I love because it has the acoustic piezo pickup under the bridge. It also has a humbucker at the neck. Now, typically playing reggae with an electric guitar, I'd much rather have the humbucker down here. Get that electric tone by the bridge, it gets a snappier sound. You can hear the treble. Right? That we put on the guitar. That's another way of separating the guitar from, from the other instruments, especially keyboard. I occupy that, that high range, that trebly range. So if I had this pickup down here, it would be easier for me to get the sound I'm looking for. I, I try to compensate through the EQ I use on the guitar and the amp and my pedals and stuff like that. But uh, Godin, and I do love Godin, if you're listening, if you ever want to make me one that's just like this, but within the bridge, and I know it'd be hard because you've already got the piezo down there, but uh, you could make what for me would be just such an awesome reggae guitar because I do use those acoustic tones a lot. <clears throat> That's just a straight acoustic tone right there. And then back to the electric. And I use a modeling pedal. I like to travel light. I do a lot of solo gigs, uh, a lot of gigs where I have to fit a lot of gear besides my stuff in my car. So I travel light and because I have the two different tones that I'm using, the acoustic and the electric tones, I use the amp that I use is more of a, it's an acoustic amp. So it's more of a clean sound coming through there. And then I use a pedal to it basically mimics an old Fender amp from the 70s where you get that trembly sound from. So I love doing that. I do, like I said before, I don't use a lot of effects. I like keeping it clean. A lot of guitar players will use a lot of reverb, which is cool. Uh, I do use delay sometimes, a delay pedal. It's fun sometimes. Especially if you're doing something kind of spacey. A lot of guitar players um, use a wah pedal or an envelope filter for that kind of sound. Um, I don't do that so much anymore, but it's, um, it's pretty cool to add some of that stuff in sometimes. I also like to uh, keep my signal pretty dry. I don't use a lot of reverb. Uh, a lot of times you end up playing in clubs and there's enough reverb going on in the place. I don't really need to add too much. And I kind of and I really like the percussive dry sound. Sometimes it it can help me kind of cut through the keys, just like just like everything else I was saying before. 
So, in a nutshell, that's reggae guitar. It's, it's, um, it's not hard, but it's like anything else in reggae. You feel the groove, you spend a lot of time listening to stuff. I know a lot of drummers who tell me that they can't play reggae. A lot of rock drummers are like, man, I can't play reggae. I just, I just can't feel it. I can't feel that groove. Reggae guitar is the same way. If you listen to it enough and you start to feel it, you can start doing those techniques. And there's plenty of stuff out there on the internet, YouTube videos and stuff, that if you want to learn how to play that a little bit better, you can check those out. But that's it in a nutshell. That's my time for tonight. Next week, I'm going to come back and talk about some old school reggae stuff from the 70s and also talk about an artist who's just tearing it up today. I'd like to tell you who that is, but I'm not going to. I'm going to keep you guessing until next week. So until next time, Reggae Bridge, listen to reggae. Uh, give me a shout. Let me know who you're listening to. Let me know what you think of Steel Pulse. And I'll see you back here next week. One love. If you dug Reggae Bridge and want to watch it happen live, check out Facebook or Instagram Tuesday evenings at 8 Eastern, 7 Central. Did you know that you could get our dub EP absolutely free? Just go to streetleveluprising.com slash seven. That's the number seven. This EP is not available anywhere else. You won't hear it on Spotify. You won't be able to buy it on CD at one of our shows. This EP is just to thank you for your support and features dub versions of seven Street Level Uprising tunes. Episodes of Reggae Bridge are pretty short, so I've supplemented this one with a performance of Life is Beauty from our Street Level Acoustic Live series. Good evening, welcome to Thursday. It is Thursday. With most of Street Level Uprising, we got Greg with us tonight. What's Hooray! up, Greg? Our, uh, our favorite sax player. Bringing Saxy back. Getting, yeah. <laughs> Greg did bring Saxy back. He, sure brought, he brought Saxy to Street Level Uprising a couple years ago, and it's, it's been a joy to play with him ever since. Greg also does a lot of the producing and engineering that we do for our albums um, in, in his studio. Um, you know, I was thinking of all the people we're going to cram in here tonight, because I thought the Bongo Bastard would be joining us. Unfortunately, he's not which would have been six of our seven members, and I thought, it's like playing in a phone booth. And then I thought, a lot of people are like, what's a phone booth? In fact, when I was writing that out, <laughs> Lion, Lion goes, what's a phone booth? It's like, yeah, you have to, oh, yeah. you have to explain mm -hmm. this to people. Mm -hmm. um, we are old enough to, I, I at least remember a little bit, I don't know how many phone booths I went into in my life, but I certainly remember phone booths. Plenty in the, in the beeper days. Ah, uh, yeah, pager you get the pager days. and you go yeah. over there. I never had a pager. I did Never got the pager. No, but, and then I thought, you know, TGI Fridays used to have like a three-level phone booth. I remember going in there when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. TGI Fridays also famous for Alan Iverson playing very long Monopoly games in there with his friends. That's a fun fact about TGI Fridays. And how is this band like Alan Iverson? We say practice. Are talking about practice? We're talking about practice? Uh, talking about practice. Man, we are franchise players. We play the show. We do not practice. <laughs> We're up here talking about practice. We're up here talking about practice. So y'all feeling good tonight? I feel good because Greg's in the house. So our big topic for this week was mm. your first musical love. Mm. Maybe not, you know, the first thing that you kind of dug that your parents listened to or whatever, but your first, like, that sparked that initial passion for music that you still have today. Um, we had a lot of, lot of great responses and a lot of, a lot of things in common. Uh, Bob Marley, Janet Jackson, The Doors, The Beatles, Bob Dylan... Uh, Michael Jackson, Kiss, uh, Grateful Dead, uh, both Vans, that's Morrison and Halen, uh, Elvis, The Monkees, Jimi Hendrix was a big one, and I can relate to that. Jimi was the first one I was like, 
oh my god, I, that's, I didn't know anybody could do that. And still only one person can, and, and that's Jimmy. And we can all hear Jimmy, and I'm sure you can too. Uh, the Beach Boys, U2, the Beastie Boys, that was another early one for me. Uh, Elton John, David Bowie was a common one, Janis Joplin. Um, not a lot of reggae ones on there. This is an eclectic crowd, and we all started somewhere, and it just shows that music's music. And a couple of the reggae ones that were picked, Peter Tosh, Barry's Hammond, um, so many great artists, and these are like, I mean, this, this royalty that we're talking, right? Like, all these yeah. people, it's royalty. Well, most of those people, I have to say, I'm happy to see the monkeys on that list, though, yeah. because my sister and I kind of got started with, like, Billy Joel and the monkeys and stuff like so that. Was that so your, that was your... Yeah, that would have been one of them, for sure. Yeah. That would definitely would have been one of them. Yeah. What about you, man? The first piece of music that I thought was mine that wasn't my parents, because I was raised on classic rock, right, but, the, right. but the first band that was mine was Guns N' Roses. Mm. I don't, I don't. What about you, man? What you got? Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, that's right. We talked about that. Uh, that first Michael Jackson. Greg, where'd you start, man? Thriller. Uh, with that uh, Columbia House CDs. Oh, right? yeah, right uh, on. Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, I remember my, one of my first ones was Billy, Billy Joel, River of Dreams. Oh, nice. cool. And that was like my first album. Excellent. Cool, cool. That's excellent. Yeah, getting bit by that music bug, man, that can come from anywhere. And music is such a beautiful thing. Um, some of our songs are even about music. Everything we do is conscious, but sometimes it's in the frame of human condition and the things that we have in common. I still believe that music and food can heal the world and sell all of our differences, and I will go to my grave believing that. Also medicine. Also medicine. Medicine helps too. That can, that can cure all of our ills. Medicine. Um, so this, this next tune here we're going to do is Life is Beauty, and this is about celebrating the wonderful things about life, including music. Let's be loved. 
street-level acoustic live and want to watch it happen as it happens tune in to facebook or instagram thursday evenings at 8 eastern 7 central check us out on spotify or apple music to hear all three of our studio albums want to know more about street level uprising or keep up with my goofiness follow us on facebook and instagram thank you for joining me for this episode of talking reggae i hope you've enjoyed it and we'll talk again soon